Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Sarah Kate Morgan. We recorded this a couple weeks ago over Skype, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards. Get Up in the Cool is listener-funded through Patreon. Shout out to Paul Silveria, Get Up in the Cool's newest Patreon supporter. Thank you so much for supporting the show. It really means a lot. To anyone who wants to sign up to support the show, go to patreon.com slash getupinthecool, or follow the link in the show notes. Stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Sarah Kate Morgan. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. so lovely thank you so much i haven't had that cumberland gap on the show in a few years and i kind of forgot about it but it's the best yeah the crooked sea one yeah yeah (laughs) sarah kate morgan welcome to get up in the cool thank you so much for having me this is such a blast yeah where did you where did you first hear 
that tune. I don't actually know where that Cumberland Gap comes from. Did you hear from people Lord. from a recording or? I, I I think I just grew up playing it. Honestly, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think I can nail down where I heard it. Um, yeah, yeah. You play like someone who grew up playing it. Yeah. When is this yeah. what you grew up playing? This instrument? I did. Yeah, yeah. I started when I was like seven or eight. Yeah, seven, eight. And for those people yeah. who aren't aware of what it is that you're playing, it's not a it's not a very represented instrument on this show. And I haven't played with that many people who play it, especially not as beautifully and with as much agency as you do. What are you playing? For the so I'm playing the mountain dulcimer. Um, it's also called the lap dulcimer or the Appalachian dulcimer. All those names are right. But you you prefer you lead with mountain dulcimer. Yeah, I think I think that sounds right. The lap dulcimer always sounds like like a like a like a lap pet or like a cat, you know, just like a sure. like I don't know, <laughs> like a lap quilt or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I think I said this when when I had Hunter Walker on the show a couple of years ago. It does kind of look like you're. Like petting. Oh, it's it's very dainty. Animal. We're just we're just sitting in our little rocking chairs, just playing our little dulcimers. It's so dainty. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you grow up in mountains? Yeah, I grew up in eastern Tennessee, um, just uh, just south of the Cumberland Gap, really, um, uh, close to Norris Lake, and that's sort of in an area of Tennessee. It's it's a lot of farm country, so rolling hills. Not not super super mountainous, but but um, sort of the the farmland area of East Tennessee. And who who introduced you to mountain dulcimer? Um, my grandfather uh, he built a dulcimer um, when before I, I don't I think before I was born, um, and he built it from a kit. And then uh, he passed away when I was like four or five. And um, they found this dulcimer sort of tucked away in a closet. They, meaning my parents, and they found it. And they, they knew at that point that I had some sort of musical ability. I like to sing a lot and just like make a bunch of racket at home. And they were like, well, let's just, let's try, let's try music. What, what so did you on. like to sing as, as a four or five-year-old? Well, you know, like every good... Southern church girl, you know, you got to yeah. sing in church, of course. <laughs> yeah. What what kind of what flavor of church are we talking? Uh, I grew up in the Quaker church, <gasps> so a lot of. I grew uh, up in the Quaker church. No oh my way. gosh! Quaker high five! Oh my gosh! Perfect. <laughs> then you know all about it. Well, we that friend speaks we, you know, my just, mind. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, we um yeah just sang sang a lot of this stuff from from standard hymnals and. So you were at a sing a singing Quaker church. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we sang. sang there was there's piano. They played piano, and 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 we sang out of the hymnal. That yeah, was it. very good. Were they like pro programmed meetings in in that sense? Like, was it just open worship and you could sing if you wanted, or was it like was there like a pastor and stuff like that? There was a pastor and stuff. There was like there was always this little you know pocket of time in the middle, like twenty minutes, where there was there was silence and we just sat. And I remember the clock ticking so loud and the yeah. clock just filled up the whole space. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of that 20 minutes, the pastor would say, are all hearts clear? Yeah. And I guess 
whenever he said that, all hearts were clear every time. And so, yeah. and, <laughs> you, and you have to decide whether or not you think that God talked to you, which maybe, yes. maybe or maybe not gave young Cameron a bit of a complex. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, well, I don't think he talked to me today. Maybe he's, maybe he doesn't want to talk to me today. <laughs> That's a little stressful. Like you told me some weird stuff today. I don't know if I want to tell everyone about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not in the mood to talk right now, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that that's great. That sounds a lot like my uh, my experience. I mean, maybe there's some like weird like uh, Portland hippie stuff that worked oh, its I'm way sure into mine. That I don't know if it made its way into your East Tennessee <laughs> program Quaker meetings, but maybe I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you you sang you sang church music growing up. You sang yeah, hymnal yeah. stuff. Yeah, hymnal stuff. What was the favorite hymn? Oh, uh, of course, uh, my dad's favorite, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Yes. That one. Um, and then, Jesus, uh, my best bud. The, it's, a whole, oh, best. it's a whole genre yeah, this of is a whole gospel genre. song. We're it's best friends. Genre. We have talks. <laughs> we take walks together. Exactly. We just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We take walks all the time. <laughs> Actually, absolutely. And um, I loved singing... Uh, 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 this is my father's world. I love that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of, lot of good, lot of good, uh, lot of good memories singing in church. You know, it's, it was, it was a very, it was. I think it's a comfortable place for a lot of young folks to get started, at least you know, in my region. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So you did you do like per- performing then in church? Yeah, a little bit, and it stressed me the heck out. Yeah. I did not like it. It was terrifying. And then I think I think dulcimer was a little easier for me um, to play. Like, it didn't feel as much like a performance. When I was really young, I was, like, really stressed out about being in front of people, and it really terrified me to be, like, in any sort of, like, public speaking I had to do and, like, any sort of thing like that. And, and um, dulcimer felt a little more. I could, I could be – I could play music but a little more under the radar – and that I think that really helped me blossom out of my out of my huh. extreme social anxiety when I was really little. Is is it because of it? I mean, it doesn't take as much of the same kind of attention that singing does. Like when someone's singing, think, you're like, oh, I have to like. It, it's rude to do anything else than make you know um, really intense eye contact with this person the whole time. For some reason, that's how people respond to singers. Oh. It's like, Jesus, Christ, like, give me right. some space. But with the dulcimer, there's like a, a layer between you and the audience. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like singing is so personal. Like it's, it's your body, you know, like it's yeah. your instrument is the, your instrument. And your it's body ultimately is the, the thing being judged. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember, I remember this, I remember distinctly, the I kind of my first musical memory where I found I was like, man, I'm really loving playing music right now was when I was like in this big jam and I was playing dulcimer and I was surrounded by a lot of other people and nobody could hear me and I could hear myself. And I remember making up stuff and I was, I don't know, I was probably like 10 or 11. And, and I just remember that was, that was a really specific time that I can pinpoint and say, I really, that's when I really started to love playing music, you know, when I could, I could I could be in in the community of playing music and kind of fly under the radar and make up something. That's yeah, that's really interesting. You felt like you were flourishing when people weren't specifically listening to you. Right. Yeah. 
And I, I still mm. love that feeling in any sort of jam, like, you know, like in the, in the sort of, there's like the inner circle of a, of a, of a good old hot old time jam. And that's always fun. Yeah. And then, but I also kind of like being on the fringes and just enjoying hearing myself and enjoying being in the vibe. As a 10 year old, who were these people that you were jamming with? Who did you have access to? Like, did your yeah. folks play traditional music or did they just give you grandpa's, grandpa's dulcimer? Uh, nobody in my family played, uh, there, uh, there was, there's a, a dulcimer group in Eastern Tennessee called the Knoxville area dulcimer club. And there's, there was a lot of mountain dulcimers, a lot of hammer dulcimers, which is pretty common in the dulcimer world. Dulcimers tend to kind of like blob together and create their yeah. own little, little circles of people. Um, and they really adopted me and, and, and were so sweet and kind to me, um, and then from there, sort of expanding into the greater East, East Tennessee old-time community. I don't know how many... Mm, I don't even know how to say this. Tennesseans? Yeah, that's it. I don't know how many Tennesseans I've actually had on the show. And so I'm not necessarily super familiar with what the culture in general is like, um, much less the, the old-time music culture. Were people playing you know, uh, festival music vaguely agreed upon canon of the general old time community, or were they playing hyper local specific tunes or somewhere in between? What was that community like? Somewhere in between, um, the, the sort of, the sort of, um, hub of the old time music, music community centered around like downtown Knoxville. There was a lot of cool places to play. Um, uh, the, the, the Jubilee community arts, Jubilee theater was a, was a big hub for old time. I remember going to, I remember seeing, um, Elizabeth LaPrell for the first time there. And that was, that was so eye opening. I just loved it to yeah. death. And we, I remember seeing Riley Boggess there, um, when I was little and it was, it was, it, I remember there being a lot, there was, there's a lot of singing jams and that kind of fun stuff. Um, but yeah, there's a mixture of, there's a mixture of, of, of uh, of the festival music and a, and a few little you know hyper hyper localized stuff. Yeah, were so was was ten years old. Is that when you started participating? Or I get, f- fill this gap when you got it when you were like five years old and between you, you and like jamming as a ten year old. Like what happened in the interim to make the jamming as a ten year old possible? So I well I really um, my my grandfather uh, built it when I was like around five and then he passed away I soon see. after. And so, um, I really started playing when I was seven. Okay. Um, and for a year I played like by myself and we tried to find a local teacher, but it was really hard to find one because sure. dulcimer is not that popular. And I had an instrument that needed a lot of work. It was like okay. literally built backwards. <laughs> like the peg head was on the wrong end of the dulcimer. It you're looked really, you're really putting grandpa on blast was, right now. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I know. I know. Love him to death. He built a really bad dulcimer. <laughs> he, uh, he was, a, he was a, he was a really cool dude. Um, he, uh, but he, he, he did his best. <laughs> sure. But, um, <laughs> better than I would have done. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but once, um, uh, yeah, once, once we got hold of a, of a slightly better dulcimer, um, uh, a, little, a, a few years later, and I got involved in the Knoxville Knoxville group um, around ten, eleven. You know, I was sort of slowly branching out into into bigger things. So, like, were you learning tunes just from people in the community, or did you have some kind of official teacher? Or yeah, I had a, a really lovely lady. Her name is June Goforth, and I love her to death. She's still she's still teaching, and she. Um, 
uh, we just were connected with her. My parents um, uh, connected with her through 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 some other folks that they had seen play dulcimer yeah. out in public, and they were like, "Oh, we have one of those." Connect us with a teacher. And so June got me started and she is a retired gym teacher and she was like really intense all the time and it like Uh terrified me. (laughs) But when, you know, when you did something right, she got really, really excited. And then when you did something wrong, she also got really excited, (laughs) but (laughs) mildly terrifying, (laughs) but it was good. (laughs) I needed that. (laughs) Is that a common last name in the area or is this, or is June somehow related to Jean? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, that's the only. That's the only go forth that I'm like that I've ever heard of. So when you're, you know, we're on an old time podcast. You say go forth. I'm like the go forth. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Just happened to be a different old time go forth yeah. gym yeah. teacher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, let's hear another tune, and then I want to talk about um, how one. How one approaches uh, old-time music on your instrument. But what do you want to play next? Sure. Um, I thought I'd play... So I've lived in Kentucky for the past six years going on now. So I've spent a lot of time learning Kentucky music. Um, And so this is uh, Muddy Creek, John Sellier tune, and then Weddington's Reel, which is a a George Lee Hawkins tune, his filler from over in Bath County, uh, Kentucky. A couple G tunes. Thank you. 
god. That's Thank amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to, to play it with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's here's a here's a question. My understanding is that the mountain dulcimer, the the reason the the frets look all messed up <laughs> is is because you're only able to play certain scales, correct? Right. Can you explain that how that works and like how your dulcimer is set up and whether that's the only one that you play or all that stuff? Sure. So um First of all, the dulcimer fretboard is like kind of been a moving target for a while. Um, The fretboard has changed over time. Um, We used to, the fretboard has changed based on what tuning has been like the most popular. So Uh um, the the sort of traditional tuning for dulcimer is like a, is like a five, five, one, meaning DAA or some relative, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, And then the, the fretboard has reflected that in the sense that it just has an Ionian scale. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and just a major, a major scale going from, uh, with, you know, I'm in the wrong tuning for it, but, um, and then as the tuning has changed, tunings have evolved over time. And then the fretboard has sort of shifted to reflect that. Um, yeah. So I essentially have, uh, have, a have, have whole, whole half, whole, whole, whole half, um, yeah. With with one exception, which is sort of a leftover note here. Um, the the flat seven oh, there, cool. which is sort of leftover from uh, from the DAA tuning, having that having that that interval. So, so I guess that would let you play like a a mixolydian tune yeah, exactly. if you wanted to play in mixolydian mode what do you exactly. do if you want to play something with a, a minor third uh well i have one of those frets um the, oh, the dulcimer the dulcimer um we went from a 155 tuning to now most people play in 158 so i'm in d i'm in dad okay right now um and so that that sort of shifted it to where um, they added a, an extra fret, the six and a half fret, which is okay. <laughs> wild. <laughs> gave us the gave us the major scale in a different yeah. tuning, and then we started adding the one and a half, which adds the oh, very good. That's the, the the minor third. Yeah, and that's like that's basically all you need to play. That's all you need, man. That's the, all you need. <laughs> <laughs> Those three scales. That's great. That's all, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you want to play in different uh, in different keys, like different tonal centers, how do you how do you work around that? Like, uh, so if you're in DAD, I think I saw you have some sort of weird yeah. looking clampy yeah. capo there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Looks like a like a C clamp. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, yeah. So there's there's different ways to go about it. Um, some um, some folks like my my great friend Don Petty um, from from uh, Western North Carolina. He plays all of the all the tunes and all the keys, and he doesn't. Mm. I don't think even he never touches a capo, and oh, he does he does it by retuning all the time. And he knows more tunings than I would even be able to to yeah. to, to, to grasp. Um, Sort of uh, another approach is remaining in that one five eight uh, relationship, and then just clamping down the capo 
wherever it makes sense to. Um, mm. Sometimes I have to retune and put on a capo at the same time. Sure. Um, and the weird, the weird thing about that is like, because we have an inconsistent fretboard, sometimes when you put on a capo, you not only change keys, but you change modes. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I because, because, because <laughs> uh, unlike, unlike, of course, of course, <laughs> uh, you know, unlike a guitar, the relationship between the notes stay the same, regardless of whether you put on a capo or not. Yeah. Um, so that's a whole fun thing. Wow. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I, I certainly am not like, you know, an expert in like I, the you can approach the dulcimer through through learning about the modes, which has kind of been where the dulcimer originated. And now people are sort of approaching it through a different avenue, I guess, sort of mm. remaining in that one five eight tuning and then capoing wherever you need to go. Different ways to approach it. Is the is the dulcimer in? Is it is it in just intonation? You know how like like a piano or like a guitar, it's all the notes are equally out of tune so that you can play in any key in tune? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So like I guess I was wondering if um if the dulcimer is set up that way. Like, That's interesting. It, yeah. Yeah. There are some builders that that do that. Um, there's a builder in Berea, Kentucky, where his his fret pattern is is slightly different. And if you he's built for that tuning, and if you put that instrument in a different tuning, yeah, the instrument itself is no longer playing the correct. Right, it starts unquote, sounding a little crunchy. A little cr- exactly, exactly. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a. I'm so fascinated with like in old time music, um, the way that people will have uh, they'll go for different limitations in their in their instrument or in their tuning, um, and they'll accept all of those limitations uh, so that they can get so so that they can do different things with their body and play in different ways and get different timbres. But then also the ways that people, I mean, this is a thing in Clawhammer Banjo, like that people do all the time is just like, how can I work around these weird limitations of this, of this technique or things like that. And then, um, yeah, people get really creative and sometimes some people would say too creative, (laughs) but I enjoy, I enjoy the tension of like figuring out how to part. Like, do you, you said, you know, you played dulcimer in church like do you play other traditions of uh of music with or or non-traditions with with your dulcimer do you ever like play in a rock band or anything like that or yeah i i um the like the longer i play the more intensely focused on old time i am but like like five years ago i would you know I, i i played i've played like like a little like Chattanooga Choo Choo or like Peg of My Heart, like jazz uh-huh. things and, and sure. ragtime things. That's been fun. Um, uh, like the, the dulcimer, I don't know, you're right. There's there's sort of a, a delicate balance between pushing yourself and trying to find, uh, trying, to, trying to translate all these different styles of music through the voice of the mountain dulcimer, which is really cool and exciting. But then yeah. sometimes, sometimes that can, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it, it ends up, flattening 
the sound or kind of squashing the spirit of the instrument. And, and so the longer I play, I'm trying to continue to push myself and learn really hard tunes and really things that are going to push my music, my musicality, but mm. also tunes that are going to, that are really play up the strengths of the dulcimer. Um, and I still love playing wild, different kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, I might, I might yeah. play one kind of sort of later on. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> I was going to say like, as you were um, sort of, um, doing your your um, your your preparation uh, like noodles at the beginning noodles. of your at the beginning of your uh, quarantine happy hour set, which is yeah. incredible. Oh, uh, I noticed you were doing some. You're you're approaching the instrument in a way that was like a little different than I typically see uh, mountain dulcimer play. Usually, it seems like you're. Like the mountain dulcimer players are are always playing all of the notes, like all of right. the strings. You're either <laughs> playing a fretted note or you're playing a drone note. But you were playing individual notes and you were like playing lines with individual strings. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone do that before. Like, uh, I would imagine you have to do a little bit of that kind of thing if you wanted to play some jazz. Oh, or- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, there's there's certain old time tunes where it's appropriate to like pluck out certain individual notes and flat pick them. The the challenge of, um, I mean, I'm I'm always trying to get better at flat picking. Like the challenge with flat picking the dulcimer is that the strings are so far apart. Like um, sure. there's a lot of traveling with the right hand, um, and so that that's one of the things that you're fighting against. Um, there are some dulcimers that some builders are doing things to sort of counteract that to where the, 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 the strings are, are at the standard width, um, uh, down at the nut, but at the bridge, they're slightly narrowed in, like kind of oh. V-shaped to where down here it's, they're slightly closer together and you can flat pick faster. So your left hand doesn't have to change its muscle memory too much in order to navigate the fretboard, but your right, right. hand is a maybe a little bit closer to what a guitar or a mandolin would be doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of weird things happening with mountain dulcimer building, which is exciting because like the dulcimer is, I mean, it's a baby instrument. Like it hasn't been around for a long time. And so we're still sort of creating, we're still making it up as we go. (laughs) And I love that. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's a good Maybe we should talk about, maybe we should do another tune first, but I would like to ask you, you say it's a baby instrument, and I think you said, you know, and honestly, I don't, I don't know anything about the history of the instrument. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit more, um, but first, what tune are we going to do? Are we going to do your pushing the envelope tune we next, can, or is can, that coming We can push later? an envelope tune. We can do that now. That would be appropriate. Great, what is it? So this is um, uh, a Homer and Jethro tune, the, the comedic okay. comedy duo. Um, okay. This is a Jethro Burns uh, mandolin tune called The Raunchy Old Rag. <laughs> oh, I'm very excited. <laughs> okay.
<laughs> Listen, wow. my goal is to keep playing that tune until I don't mess it up anymore. That's my goal. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never heard anyone do anything remotely similar to that on that instrument. That... I I couldn't really understand what I was seeing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah, like I I yeah, it's so amazing that just with like two chromatic notes you're able to get all of those little chromatic neighbor tones and all those weird chord voicings and uh that was amazing. Oh, thanks very much. There's there's a couple spots where um where you kind of have to hint at a bend note. Uh-huh. And sometimes, sometimes you know, I, I kind of like, I like bending strings a little bit to kind of hint at that right note. Um, sometimes you make it there and sometimes you don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 okay. Mountain dulcimer, the baby instrument. Where, where does it come from and when does it come from? Do people know for sure? People know uh, close close to shore. So there's a there's a couple of European instruments, um, the Schiholt, which is a German okay. instrument, um, the zither, uh, which is which is a an Austrian instrument, and uh, the Hummel, which is also a German instrument. Those are all sort of um, stringed instruments that the dulcimer sort of trickled down from. We think um, they uh, were. Uh, drone-like instruments they had like huge amount of strings like 20 30 strings but um but the last three strings the three strings closest to you were tuned daa and so we often think that um and the daa is sort of the first traditional tuning of the mountain dulcimer okay um so uh we think the shyholt is probably the closest instrument that um and in terms of when it came there's probably like a hundred year buffer zone it you know it, it it's sort of a trickly kind of instrument it, it it's hard to pinpoint exactly when the dulcimer became the mountain dulcimer um, mm. and in many ways we're still figuring that out um the uh uh probably around uh 1750 through 1800 is when the dulcimer really started to take shape um as as and sort of these these instruments simplifying in in one sense and and sort of becoming more more of this region um, more appalachian and less yeah. uh exactly uh, i guess eastern european technically i don't know yeah 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 exactly exactly yeah. interesting so like do uh, is is the idea there that austrian folks were i don't i don't know the um the 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 ethnic demographics of um you know people moving to Appalachia to that this part of Appalachia um were there is are there like still Austrian and German communities there not not I, I don't think particularly um it's it's something that I, I don't think the instruments themselves were brought I think people folks came and just sort of built what they remembered. Um, yeah. And, and ended up building what, building with what they had available. And so, so they weren't making uh, like 30, 40 string instruments. They're oh, like, right, oh, let's exactly. just get the business end of the, <laughs> whatever <Exactly>. it's called. <laughs> exactly. Of whatever this called. is called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
like okay, that. that makes that makes a lot of sense. And then somewhere along the line, you started playing American music, or the music started becoming American, or somewhere in there. Right, right. As we think to playing like po- polka y uh, exactly stuff or whatever they're into over there. Right, I'm ignorant the, um, about that. <laughs> Same. Uh, I from what I from what I understand. A lot of the a lot of the evolution was of the instrument was based around um, how do you make an instrument that can keep up with a fiddle because okay. like the the way the way that the zither and the those instruments were built they're kind of they're kind of awkward to play in the sense that it's hard to play like really fast hoe downy kind of things yeah um, so by reducing the amount of strings and also elevating the fretboard so traditionally the way I understand a zither and a shy holt. I'm not an expert on that, but, but the, um, the, the, the fretboard is flush to the sound box. Okay. Whatever the resonant chamber is and the dulcimer, um, it's elevated. The, the fretboard is lifted up off the top of it. Yeah. How much is that? Is it like a half inch? I can't tell. The yeah. Scale like, like, like three, like, like three quarters of an inch. Okay. An inch, um, of how the, does that, the sound how does board. that help? Um, it's, it, it has, I think it has to do with, with, um, sort of the angle of your wrist versus if you're playing a shy holt, it's a little more awkward to play, um, because all the strings, there's, there's not any clearance for strumming, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you can just like really get going with your right hand. It's more about the right hand than the left. (laughs) Exactly. That's what you're saying. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Some banjo players... Or some banjo makers, they'll they'll make the the they'll set up the like action and like the the neck angle so that like it's very low action on the fretboard, but then between the fretboard and the bridge, it's very high action, and they'll set it up yeah. that way so you can play super hard but also be super noty because it it doesn't it does not look like you're working very hard with your sorry sorry that's not what I mean to say <laughs> it does not look like. <laughs> It does not look like the action of the strings is holding you back for your left hand at all. It looks like they're pretty yeah. close to the, yeah, to the frets. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that just has to do with um, the craftsmanship of this instrument. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the dulcimer has, has um, it's, it's kind of an instrument that is, it's very easy to build a dulcimer. It's pretty simple. This is a box, and three strings, and a fretboard. It's, there's, not a, there's not a whole lot to building it. And so that is, that's a good thing in a lot of ways because yeah. it's an accessible instrument. It gets a lot of people build it. Um, and yeah. that's, we lots like of grandpas that. We, we want that. Out there. Yeah. Lots <laughs> of grandpas making them in their little, yeah. little wood shop. We love this. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. The flip side of that is that oftentimes you end up with a lot of instruments floating around that don't have like correct intonation yeah. and they're really, really hard to play. And maybe they don't sound super great. Maybe, or they maybe were... they're put together backwards. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like somebody who maybe can build an absolutely beautiful cabinet might end up making a dulcimer that sounds like a cabinet, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's, 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 they don't necessarily <laughs> translate all the time. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's one thing that has has um, driven the evolution of the dulcimer is having some really cool builders out there doing exciting things. Well, before before we talk uh, uh, plug-in stuff, what do you want to play next? Um, I'm deciding. Let me think. Um, should I do another singing one or another instrumental? What do you think? I, w- I would love another singing one. 
Okay. Let's the sh- do the show always needs more singing. Let's do more singing, man. Great. Let's, oh, we can do a Gene Ritchie song. That'd be that'd Perfect. be fun to talk about. Yeah. Okay. So Gene, um, Gene Ritchie is from Kentucky, and uh, uh, she was she's sort of credited as the matriarch of the Mountain Dulcimer and sort oh, of bringing good. the Dulcimer to the to the public. Um, and this is one of her songs called um, "And I See That Rainbow Shine." And it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Can't wait. Oh, the dark was a coming, and the day was a falling, and I thought that the day was done. But the rain kept raining, and the clouds kept on moving. Then the rainbow filled my soul Sarah Kate, that is so, that is so perfect. Thank you much. I put on like a, I don't know, a positive exterior and a, and it's honest, but on the inside, I'm, 
I'm a deeply pessimistic and grumpy person. And <laughs> I am usually, I, I need to be dragged and kicked into optimism. And that mm-hmm. song is so, uh, so lovely and so, um, so optimistic. It is. And I think, I, I don't, maybe you could speak to this, but like, I feel like it's, it's optimistic because it's not trying to like repress <laughs> my feelings. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, uh, the, I was feeling so gloomy, so tired and lonely, and I felt so lonesome and old, but the rain kept a raining. The rain kept on raining and the clouds kept yeah. on moving. Like, it's like, yeah, it's going to keep on raining for a while and that's okay. But yeah. eventually it'll, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could say that it's an appropriate song for any time, but you know, yeah. it feels, feels especially good yeah. right now. That, that is on Gene's album. Um, one, one, but none, I believe. Hmm. And it's, it's, uh, it's so it's such a cool album because there's Gene and some there's some dulcimer on it, but then there's also like electric bass and drums, cool. and electric guitar, and she's just rocking out, and I love it. <laughs> Does how how closely is your playing? Uh, how close? How much do you base your playing on Gene's playing? I heard like a lot of things that to me sounded like they were reharmonizations or things like that. Are you messing with the the yeah. form or with the chords? And absolutely. And Gene, like people, people might, I don't know, folks might lump Gene's playing into traditional. But uh-huh. I mean, if you really listen to her her style, she was playing counter melodies to herself. Mm. It, it it was it was very musically non traditional in in that sense. She might yeah. have played, and her her technical abilities were were traditional in that sense. But um, yes, but she was wild. I mean, her 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 harmonies that she played along with herself is just out there. I mm. love it. Yeah, I I've heard a little bit of that in uh, or a lot of bit of that <laughs> in in your a playing. lot of bit of that. I, I remember when you played. Um, Hang me. Uh, you do this like uh, you do this big like major two chord, or you at least hint at it at this one point, and it's so spicy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's me. Nothing if not spicy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was just like, I've never heard uh, Hang Me played like this, much less a Mountain Dulcimer played like this. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that um, that kind of thing is uh, very very um, appealing to me. And when oh, when, when when people are doing that with the uh, <laughs> putting chords where there's no business being chords, I'm like, this, <laughs> this is a person I should be friends with. <laughs> this we is the love kind it. of we love it. nonsense and mischief I want to get up to too, because it because <laughs> it feels good. You have a very you have a very um, a very in inclusively indulgent uh way of playing that i really appreciate oh i love that it's not gonna, it's not I'm self-indulgent gonna, gonna quote you. but it's not not <laughs> self-indulgent but i'm able to indulge in listening to it oh good yeah i'm gonna stitch that on a pillow i love yeah. that inclusively <laughs> indulgent oh i love it <laughs> oh. okay one more tune before we say goodbye but first before we do that where do people go to um 
give you money for music. So if you want to uh, support my music and follow me, you can go to com. That has all my musics and all a bunch of fun stuff you can follow. Um, yeah, and find me on all the all the social medias. You can follow me. I have an album on Bandcamp. You can you can pick it out. Yeah. Perfect. I will include links to all of those places uh, in the show notes for the episode. And Perfect. people listening, when they want to hear more tunes, but the tunes have stopped on this feed, they can go ahead and tap and swipe away. Uh, they could swipe swipe left. I I got married before <laughs> dating apps came out. <laughs> they could swipe left swipe, or, swipe right. or right. Swipe right. It's that's right. The, that's the deal. Okay. Swipe right, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's, what that's, I meant that's to the say. extent of my knowledge. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. <laughs> it begins and ends here. <laughs> okay, they can swipe right on all on all your music. Oh yeah! Wow, I sound like such a boomer right now. This is awful. <laughs> Let's move on. Both of us do. <laughs> right just there with couple, you. Just a couple yeah. young boomers. Playing I don't think it was music. that. I think it's just. I think it's the old time music, not the swipe right part. That's yeah. the thing <laughs> that's making us sound old old, old timey. <laughs> Maybe it's the banjo. Maybe it's the banjo. Uh, maybe, the maybe it's the banjo. We can't rule it out. Uh, thank you so much for oh, thank you so much. making this happen and hanging out with me. I'm excited Absolutely. to jam this with you uh, asynchronously and then in person someday. Next time I can Absolutely. come to Kentucky or you come to where I am. Oh my gosh, that would be so wonderful. Yeah, I'd love that. Well, Sarah Kate, what are we going to do for the last one? Um... I thought I'd do another set, if that's okay. I like yes, the sets. last cool? two or three, I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that good? <laughs> um, so the last set will be uh, a couple of uh, Kentucky tunes. One is called Geese a Honkin', which is another George Lee Hawkins tune. And then the last one is Maysville, um, everybody's favorite. Uh, hey, uh, these are two of my very favorite tunes. Oh my gosh, awesome, yay. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> So Geese a Honkin' is uh, technically supposed to be played in B-flat. Um, but then I'm also like putting it with Maysville because it, it's kind of the same similar pocket of very meditative, you know, gentle on the ears kind of tunes. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe George Lee Hawkins will forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he will.
Visit Sarah Kate's website at sarahkatemorgan.com to hear her music, watch videos of her performances, check her performance schedule, and inquire about lessons. You can also like and follow her on Facebook and Instagram, and buy her album Jubilee on Bandcamp. All that is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. <laughs>